Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. The scripture reading today is from Matthew, verse, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, your light shine before others. Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The word of the Lord. Please take a moment for silent reflection. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we come before you in a world that feels so beautiful and so broken at the same time. We come before you from our lives that have so many great aspects to them and so many difficulties at the same time. We come before you with hopes and dreams and aspirations and fears and failures and needs. Come before you with great friendships and connection and loneliness and anger and holding grudges. Help us to see that right now, however we find ourselves, we have far more in common than we realize. On one hand, each of us is a beautiful mess created in your image and likeness and fractured, and broken. And at the same time, you see us, and you know us. And your response to us is to give yourself to us in sacrificial, self-giving love in the person and work of your Son, Jesus Christ. So we pray now, by the power of your Holy Spirit and in your name, that you'd open our eyes to your grace our minds to your truth, our hearts to your love, our lives to your presence. And then you'd send us out to be your very agents of renewal wherever we go. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have a tradition in my family with each of my three boys that when they enter kindergarten, one of the milestones of their life is that dad takes them on a camping trip, just one-on-one. And I started this with Benjamin. I remember his camping trip up north. I'd had family members and friends send in emails and messages telling him about how much they love him. And the whole plan was to have this big bonfire at the end of the night 
And I would read all these messages to him as he goes into the big world of kindergarten and know that he is not alone. But before that, we went for a night hike. And we had these headlamps that Florence had prepared because she's always prepared. And I had mine on, and we start walking. I noticed Benjamin didn't have his on, and it was dark. And there were animals out there. There were animals out there that could growl, (laughs) that had big teeth. I said, son, where is your light? We're away from the camp. And we turn around, and he says, look, I put it on top of the tent. I said, why'd you do that? He said, so we can always find our way home. It was brilliant. It was profound. Light will show you the way home. Today we come to this passage, and Jesus says, what is the light in your life? What promises to illuminate and show you the way home? What's the map you're using? Where does it feel like things are coming undone and what needs to be preserved and cared for? And as you think about those own needs and realities in your life, what does it look like for you to go and then be light to other people? Be preserving and holding together the things that feel like they're falling apart. That is the invitation that we're given today. So let's consider that. What it means to be the light of the world, salt of the earth. Let's look at the invitation, the vision, and then the power of how you make all of that happen. First, the invitation. You are salt of the earth. You are light of the world. We read that in the English translation, and it sounds singular. Like I'm saying, you particularly, Steve, are the light of the world and salt of the earth. Except in the Greek, that is plural. That is y'all. So he is ta- Jesus is talking to a crowd of people who want to associate with him this diverse group of people that would otherwise never belong together. And he says, as you gather around me, you actually become light of the world and salt of the earth. This is for you, and this is for y'all. This is for this community, and this is for all of those people out there as well. Interestingly, he's echoing Israel's original calling to be a light to the nations. And the implication is, the world needs salt and light. You know, we already know this. Scientists can explain this better than I can. The second law of thermodynamics, entropy. Simply put, things fall apart. Things move toward decay. You see this with food. If you cook a beautiful turkey and after two minutes it's it's sublime, after two hours it's warm, after two days it becomes poison, things fall apart. You know in terms of your own health, if you don't take care of it, it doesn't naturally get better. It gets worse. Friendships, if you do not invest in them, they come undone and become more distant. Things fall apart. The world needs salt and light. Monday and Tuesday, I was in such a funk, mentally and emotionally, as it just felt like wave after wave of sadness and sorrow was coming. And we got a taste of things fall apart as we read and heard stories of people holding on to airplanes at an airfield in Afghanistan because whatever is happening at the 30,000 feet must be better than what's happening right here on the ground. Can you imagine the desperation? And it fills us with sorrow. Part of the paralyzation of it is we feel like we can't do anything. So not only are things falling apart, but we're impotent to help it all. Same with reading about brothers and sisters in Haiti or the Delta variant, which continues to grow. 
things fall apart. And aside from all of that, it's just hard enough to be a human being that can relate to other people in society or in our close relationships or hold down a job or take care of yourself. Things fall apart. And I love how honest Scripture is about the reality of this world. It does not present a picture that when you become a Christian and you follow Jesus, everything by and by gets better and better, and it's mountaintop to mountaintop. And if you could plot it out on a graph, it would just be upward and to the right like a perfect stock portfolio. He says, let's be honest about this. Things fall apart. The world needs light. The world needs salt. The whole idea, we hear of salt and we think, oh, that goes perfectly on like a piece of bread with some butter and you put some really nice salt on top or you get your steak and you get some Maldon salt or you, you went to Costco and got the pink Himalaya salt. And we think that that is a seasoning, and it is. So we'll hold on to that idea. But the original audience would primarily not hear seasoning. They would hear preservation. Okay, in a world without refrigeration, you would have to salt your meat, salt the fish, salt it quickly and well so that it could be preserved from falling apart. So that instead of decaying and coming undone, it would stay together and give nutrition and be delicious. So he says, Jesus is saying, in a world that is falling apart, you are salt. You are a preservation agent. You're called to hold things together. A Christian is someone who can say, my calling is to preserve and sustain and support. You are the glue in your office. You use your job not just as a way to make your own milestones and monuments, but as a way to help other people and lift them up, whatever that job might be. You begin to ask, how can I bring out the best in these people and in this organization? One of the reports that struck me the most, I almost had to pull my car over as I was listening to this woman who they referred to as R to keep her um, anonymity and safety, she, relative safety. She's in Afghanistan trying to escape. And she left these voice messages because she wanted the world to hear what it was like minute by minute for her. And they just play these voice messages that she left on her iPhone. And one of the ones that struck me was as she had heard that the first two major cities had fallen, her first response was to call all of her neighbors and make sure they were okay, to see what they were doing. She is salt of the earth. In a world that's coming undone, she's trying to hold things together. I heard a similar report about someone in Haiti, out in the remote mountain region where the homes were already just almost falling over before the earthquake when a man's wife was trapped under rubble and he just asked impassionedly on the, on the dirt street, please help me. And this little lady came and helped brick by brick release his wife from the rubble and get her to a hospital. And later when asked, why did you stop in the midst of all the sirens blaring and all of the devastation, why did you stop? And she said, how could I live with myself if I didn't? This person needed my help. That person was salt of the earth. Now, you may not live in a war zone. Some of you I know are actually tuning in from a war zone. So this is going to be applied differently. But you see the theme. In a world where it's tempting to look out for ourselves first, Jesus says, look around. What's coming undone? How do you move toward it?
On the other hand, salt, if it loses its saltiness, is no good. There's a warning there. There's a warning there. And the way salt, I, I'm not a horticulturalist or really all that culinarily inclined. Florence could give this talk better than I could. But if salt doesn't come in contact with the food, it never flavors it. So if Christians or the church become living in a cloistered little alcove, a subculture of people who look like you, think like you, believe like you, guess what? You're not salt. Or if you are salt, you're not having any impact or interaction in your community. Who are the people that you spend time with that you have very little in common with? Christian friends, let me just ask you, do you have anyone in your life where you can say, I probably wouldn't be that close to that person if I didn't follow Jesus? I probably wouldn't pour myself out financially in these ways if I wasn't a Christian. How do you use your saltiness? The other danger is too much salt becomes off-putting and disgusting. We've all had french fries with too much salt. And so there's this balance. There's this wisdom of interacting, reaching out, holding things together, but doing it in a way that is winsome and attractive and comprehensible and understandable. In other words, living out the good news of Jesus in a way that this neighborhood would actually experience as good news. Where they say, you know, I don't believe exactly like you do, but there is something about the way you care about me that is attractive. I don't believe exactly like that church believes, but there's something about the way that they welcome and interact and care for our neighbors without homes that is attractive. And when that happens, I would say we are falling in love with the kingdom of God, and we're beginning to discover who the king truly is. You are salt of the earth. You're also light of the world. I mentioned in the beginning how light illuminates the way home. Think about that metaphor that Jesus gives to each of us. You are a beacon of light in a dark world. That's heady. But light does more than that. Light can be a great uh, warning against danger. My family and I went for a hike on the golf course at night not too long ago, right over here, Balboa Golf Course, and I know that course pretty well. So I confidently was about to step off the main trail and take a shortcut to a place I knew we could get to. But for some reason I thought, just in case, I'm going to take my phone out and put a flashlight on that shortcut. My third step would have been into a thicket of cacti. <laughs> So light illuminates the way home, but life, light can also reveal danger that you might not have otherwise seen. Light reveals things for what they truly are, whether it's a diamond. When you go to buy a diamond and you put it in front of that bright light to reveal all the fire and the flash and the brilliance and the cut and all of that, it reveals it for what it truly is. You go to the dentist and the first thing they do when you have a toothache is open your mouth and put a bright light on it because it shows the pain point for what it is. I think all of these metaphors come together as Jesus is saying, you are called to be someone who can illuminate the way home, who can point out danger that other people might not otherwise see, who can reveal things for what they truly are and do it in a way that is brilliant and warm and winsome, not glaring in people's eyes like a million candle power spotlight. Jack Hayford actually has a quote about this, in the, uh, and it's in your quotes in the beginning of the worship folder. He says, the call of the church has never been to political analysts. He says, we're called to be cultural catalysts who will act as salt and light. But there are dangers. 
Salt, if you use too much, becomes embittering. If you sprinkle it, it flavors. Light is annoying if it glares in your face. In fact, you try to push it away. But if you let the warm glow of the light show, people will come to it. I don't think Jesus called us to rub salt in the world's wounds or to glare the light a foot from their eyes with a million candle power spotlight. He called us to be the warm glow of his love and the flavor and quality of his nature. God has not called me to be morally indignant. He's called me to be spiritually vibrant. Think about that. Have you ever thought, I mean, with all of the vitriol on Facebook and whatever your favorite feed is, have you ever just thought, that person is so morally indignant, I think they won me over in terms of their argument? Never. <laughs> have you ever, though, thought, that person is so, is so engaged in love and humility that I'm, that's actually attractive and I want more of what, they're, what they've got? See, I've never won anybody over in an argument. I've loved over people into an argument because they knew that I cared about them. They might not even adopt my viewpoint, but at least we can respect one another and move forward and sharpen one another. What does it look like to be spiritually vibrant in a world that needs salt and light? This is our calling. That's the vision. That's the invitation. And he says, when you operate as salt and light, because of your life, people will actually be attracted to the God that created you. Let your good deeds shine before others so that they may see them and glorify your Father in heaven. You will become a city on a hill, an alternative city. We talked about this last week where the church is called to be an alternative city within the city. In the ways that you use sex, money, or power, instead of using sex as a way just for your own personal pleasure, use it in a way of honor care and respect, your own body, your own sexuality and the sexuality and bodies of others. Money and power are not merely a means to amass your own fortune, but become resources to pour out on behalf of others. The early Christians shocked the Roman Empire because in an empire where the citizens were promiscuous with their bodies and stingy with their money, right? They'd give themselves to anybody, but they'd keep all their money for themselves. Christians were stingy with their bodies, giving themselves to only one other person they made a covenant with until death do us part. But they were promiscuous with their money, letting their resources flow freely to those who need it most. And it stumped the empire. It turned the world upside down. An alternate city. A city on a hill. That's what he's talking about when he says they will see your good deeds and, glor and glorify your Father in heaven. The Greek language has many different words that could be translated as good. This one happens to be kalos, which is beautiful or true or right. Your good, beautiful, true, right deeds. In other words, he's not saying, Christian friends, as you follow Jesus, you will do deeds that are ethically and morally pure, and therefore other people will want to follow God. I mean, it is important to be ethically and morally upright. Don't get me wrong. But that's not what's going to win people over to the God who created them. But when he sees you stopping and doing true, beautiful, good, right works in this world, caring for the poor, respecting people you disagree with, seeing the humanity in everybody that you come across, living in this countercultural city, the alternate city within the city, it's that that gets people to go, wait a minute, there might be something more to Jesus. You become show and tell with the gospel. 
showing this world what it looks like to follow him. They will see your good works and glorify who? Not your boss, not your co-pilot, not your colleague, your father in heaven. Now, I understand there are arguments on how this has become patristic and patriarchal language and all of that. I get all of that. But hear what he's saying. You are family. God is not your boss. This is not a working arrangement where if you keep up your end of the deal, then you could be a part of it at the end of the day and get a raise. You are family. It is irrevocable. You are loved as a beloved child. When you know that you are loved like that, you can pour yourself out. That's the vision. Now here's the power. And I've already tilted my hand and given you a nod toward it. The power does not come from you. The power comes from the God who created you. You see, this church, I was talking to a friend who's an executive coach, so David, if you're watching, hi. We always go to breakfast, and he starts, you know, in the whiteboard of his mind, putting out some leadership stuff for our church, and we were breaking it down. Forgive the, the mapping over here, but I said, the product of our church, the thing we ship, is faith, hope, love, community, and renewal. That's what we ship. Faith, hope, love, community, renewal. The thing is, we don't manufacture any of those things. They all come from God. So the first step is to receive it and then reflect it. To receive it and then reflect it. It's like the difference between the light that comes from the sun versus the light that comes from the moon. The sun is an original light source with photons emanating from it. It creates them. It makes them. The moon has no light of its own. It merely captures and reflects the light of the sun. Jesus says, I am the sun. Pardon the pun. Jesus says, I am the sun. Reflect my light. I am the source of love. As you see how I love you, go forward and love one another. You want to talk about preserving? I hold you together. You want to talk about illuminating and exposing? I know you and I love you. Why can you say that you are the light of the world? Because he is the light of the world for you. He was the one who was lifted up on a cross for you. He was the one that was exalted in his resurrection for you, showing that the final word on this world is not decay, but renewal. Not death, but resurrection. So to be a Christian means to live into that deeper, bigger, grander story. And the church's calling is to be a countercultural community, live a way of life that seems upside down, but is distinctly right side up in a world that is both beautiful and broken. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we pray that as you call us to be salt and light, preserving and illuminating first, we need you to do that in our lives. And so any places that need to be preserved in our lives, we bring before you. In the ways that we stumble around in the darkness, we bring before you. And as you fill us, as you feed us at this table in just a moment, in a world that is so hungry, so thirsty, so lost, so hurting, so beautiful, give us a vision for what it looks like specifically to live these things out this week. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you.